0: today is uh it's actually new year's eve like it's not a day before it's not as sometimes i preach these sermons two days after today is it we are actually on the precipice i was trying to remember if i've ever preached actually on new year's eve i can't remember that i have but i'm sure i must have if you've been around bendham hills for any amount of time you know that the new year's sermon is kind of my thing Um, long before i was on staff i somehow was i think it was mostly because it's the sunday after christmas eve i was tabbed to give the new year's um, sunday the sunday after christmas sermon some of you've been around long enough to remember one of those sermons it came with a little battle cry i saw um our old head elder uh, elder eric much more in the back it's, uh, it, Eric would remind me of this all the time. It's only January 13th. Any of you around for that, those back in the day? Um, why? There's well, Somebody remembers it. Um, mostly because statistically January 12th is the day that, that most people give up on their New Year's resolutions. We don't make it all that long. And uh, January 13th is, well, it's been for our church over, over some time, a little bit of a declarative statement, right? To not give up or give in on the possibility of transformation now if you're here this morning you're a follower of jesus i want to proclaim that message as boldly to you as i can as loudly and hopefully as convincingly as i can that no matter how many times you have experienced january 12th no matter how many times that you said this is going to be the year no matter how many times you've failed to change in the past to become the man or woman that you believe god wants you to be I don't, I'm calling you to not give up or to give in. Usually I proclaim that and I get you to repeat it's only January 13th, but I don't have to do that this year because this year I'm actually speaking to you before the calendar flips to 2024. This year I get to encourage you in the literal final hours, less than 20, coming up on 12 hours, right, Um, of 2023. I don't want you to already give up on the possibilities for 2024. I don't want you to buy into the, the cynicism, in a sense, that rules our day. And so today, to put it bluntly, you haven't screwed up 2024 yet. Um, let's see what we can do. It's only December 31st. Now, here's the deal as followers. If you, if you count yourself a follower of Jesus this morning, um, it's important that you, you not give up on the possibility of transformation in your life. Here's why. Because it's not just a possibility, which it is, but it's actually a promise. For those of you that have said, I believe Jesus is who he said he is. He is the way, the truth, and the life, that nobody comes to the Father except by him. If you have put your faith and your trust in Jesus, then no less than the Jesus that you put your faith and trust in promised that the Holy Spirit would come. In fact, Jesus once said, it's better that I leave Because the Holy Spirit is going to come and be an advocate for you in this world, right? And he will make a home within you. And when he does, the Holy Spirit would lead us in get ready. Here comes a religious word, okay? He would lead us in the process that theologians talk about called sanctification. What is that? Well, theologians describe sanctification. It essentially means to be set apart for God's usage to be made holy. They describe it as a a two-part process in a sense. The first is what they call, and just bear with me for a second because it's important to understand this, the first they call positional sanctification. It means that at the moment you came to believe all those things about Jesus and and you you trusted your life to him, kind of turned away from the past and turned towards Christ, your standing before God had nothing to do with anything that you've done, but your standing positionally before God changed. You now stood, another theological word, justified. One way to remember that is just as if I'd never sinned. That's the way you stood before God the day you made that decision and forevermore. Holy, not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. God looks at us now, right? Because of of, of Jesus, in a sense, taking the due penalty for our sins, right? God sees us as set apart and holy. I want you to understand that God, when he looks at you, sees you as holy. But the second part of sanctification is something called progressive sanctification. Which means that while it is positional, I stand before God holy. Experientially, I am growing in my holiness, in my godliness, in my like Christ-likeness. And this goes on, it should go on, it should go on until we meet Jesus again. In regards to this concept of progressive sanctification, you're never done. I heard Jim Gaffigan, the comedian, talking about a guy at the gym one day, and uh, he was looking at the guy, and the guy was just ripped up, muscles everywhere, and he looks at him and goes, aren't you finished? Like, why are you still here, right? And it's that way with, with sanctification. The process is never actually complete. Peter, walk on water, Peter. Peter encourages. us, encourages us, but grow, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. So as Christians, as Christians, if you are a follower of Jesus, not only should you not give up on the possibility of transformation, you should expect, be expectant of a process of transformation. It's not a work you do, it's a work that the Holy Spirit does within you, but you are an active participant in that work. And so as your pastor and your friend, one who has made a resolution or two that I have not kept, I stand before you this New Year's Eve, this December 31st, hours away from a new year, and I tell you, as I try to remind myself, God is not through with you yet. You are not done. In fact, if, if you think, well, I'm about as holy as I could ever be, you're really not done right you have some remedial work to do a little bit of a life verse for me and maybe it's because when you're when you stand up in front of people and you talk about God every week right you're aware of your you're very aware of your shortcomings so a little bit of uh, of a god verse for me my whole life has been what paul told the church in the city of philippi he said i'm confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of christ jesus that's my great hope I, I want to grow in, in Christ-likeness, right? And so here's my challenge for you this morning, this New Year's Eve morning. And, and I believe, right, if I am going to grow, I think that this might be the most powerful thing that I could do and, and I think you could do in 2024 to advance the cause of, of transformation and sanctification in, in, in your life and in mine, to, to in a sense make room for the Holy Spirit to do what he's going to do. This is going to seem, I don't know if you got the teaser for this, it is going to seem so incredibly simple. When I first tell you, you're probably going to go, I can't believe I woke up on New Year's Eve for this. Yet I would venture uh, to, to guess almost none of us really ever think about this. And so here's my challenge to you this New Year's Eve of 2023. It has to do with your time. As you know, we've talked about uh, in, in our boundary series a couple months ago, one of, one of the sermons, I don't know if you are here for it, but it was a, a talk about time. The scriptures are just, I mean, replete with verse after verse, and, and honestly, most of them are warnings regarding time. Jesus' brother James said, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, and then it vanishes the psalmist declares of God that, quote, he remembered that they were but flesh, a a passing breeze that doesn't return, and that they're like a breath, their days are like a fleeting shadow. How about this one? This was written thousands of years ago, and yet it holds true even today. Just a little side note, I was, in my Facebook feed, I, I, one of the little things that pops up all the time is retro television stuff, which probably tells you more about me than you want to know, but, uh, there was a picture. anybody remember the old Mary Tyler Moore show? There's a picture in the opening uh, thing when she's walking the streets of Minneapolis and she throws her hat in the air and it kind of freezes on that moment. There's a woman in the background. It's a, it's a quote unquote old woman, and she became somewhat famous for being kind of this old woman in the background of that shot. And somebody underneath was commenting, "Oh, you know, here's her name and and what happened to her in her life." And they said, "It's funny that she's." pictured as she's famously known as an old woman she's probably only in her mid-60s when this picture was taken somebody underneath commented look up the average lifespan in the in that year which was 68 or 73 whatever and it was 68 years old which is interesting right it's grown a little bit but but here's what the psalmist declared 2,000 years ago more than 2,000 Three thousand years ago our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and we fly away which is why in that same psalm he encourages us teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom teach us to number our days i have read that verse a thousand times but until i began working on this talk this week it The power of it had never really captured me until I realized that we actually do number our days fairly prevalently. For example, um, anybody know what day number this is in our year? This is what day in the year 2023? 365, right? It's 365th day this year. Tomorrow will be what day in 2024. You are numbering your days, right? Like, we all know those numbers. I even know. I've had um, three folks, a couple from our church and, and another in my personal life, pass away in the, in the last couple of weeks. I, I can number my years. I, you know, the scriptures teach, and I, you know all you got to do is look up lifespans, and I have 70 or 80 years' worth of, of days. And, and, and the question regarding my time, my, my days, my calendar, is not so much... Have I numbered them? But the question is, what am I doing with them? Because the scriptures indicate over and over and over again that the brevity, right, counting our days aright so that we understand the brevity of them, it it should make us rethink, reorient what we do with them. Am I using them optimally for those of us that are following Jesus? Am I honoring God with them? Paul, many of you know, wrote most of the New Testament, right? He writes to the church in Ephesus that we should, in in light of kind of the evilness of the days in which the city of Ephesus existed, days not unlike our own days, he said that we should redeem in light of what's going on around us, we should be buying back, redeeming, taking back time from the purposes of the world. The message is quite clear, again, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that Jesus' people should should use their time differently. So let me fast forward to my overall point for today. Um, Participatory part, if you keep a calendar of some sort on your phone, on your wall, on your desk, on your fridge, if you have a calendar where you put what's going on in your life down, could you raise your hand? I don't know how the rest of you live, but those of you that are raising your hands, right, like, I live and die with my calendar. It's a little bit of a a joke with the church staff because I have two calendars and sometimes things don't make it from one to the other. And if you ever have lunch with me and I don't show up, that's what happened. It wound up on the wrong calendar, right? Now, those of you that have that calendar, if I came over to your house, if you handed me your phone right after the service, right, you came forward and I said, hey, let me look at your calendar. Would I look at your calendar and go, oh, look, see right here. It's very clear this person uses their time in a very different way than the rest of the world uses theirs. Look at it. You just see it over and over. They're doing nothing but honoring God with their time. Or, as I heard it put to me years ago in a sermon that I've never been able to shake, what would your schedule look like if God were in charge of it? If he were the one that was going, okay, give me that. I live here in Morris County, New Jersey in the 21st century with each of you. Many of you know that, you know, I wasn't always a pastor. I used to get on the train and go into New York City. I know what your calendar's like. It's packed. Here's what I know about your time. You don't have enough of it. Almost all of us are insanely busy, overscheduled, exhausted, frazzled, frenzied, right? I, I mean, the church staff after Christmas Eve, this is what our next staff meeting will be like. For almost every one of us in the room, we have a calendar, and you know what the calendar should be telling us? It doesn't work. It's not working for us. Our schedule is killing us. And yet, if you're like me, we know it doesn't work, and you know what I'm going to do in 2023 or 2024? The exact same thing. Until I spent some time working on this week, this week. You know how many plans I had for changing my calendar next year? None. Now, I'm big on New Year's resolutions. My, my, my family, he, they make fun of me, but they know that. I, I don't give up on this stuff. Sometimes I, I win. Sometimes I, well, not fail. I mean, you know, try again. But my son John was home this week, and he said, Dad, what's the New Year's resolution for uh, 2024? And I said, well, I said, I've been thinking about it. I said, the one word that keeps coming back to me is integrity. I said, I want to be... I want to have more integrity in 2024. I I want to be the man that, that I was thinking about him. I actually want to be the man he is. But I was like, I want to be more like the man you actually think I am. I want to be more the man that people think I am. To which Joan said, oh, dear God. But anyway, (laughs) that's essential. So integrity is big for me in 2024. But you know what wasn't on my agenda? My calendar. Didn't even think about it. But here's the thing, why not, right? If your calendar didn't work for you in 2023, how come you, how come you and I never think about changing it? Maybe you're here this morning and you were hoping some, for some profound New Year's Eve breakthrough. Maybe you didn't see the teaser we sent out about the calendar. Um, maybe you would have stayed in bed saying, well, that's you know, it's not an issue for me. But I, I have to tell you, I, if you spend any amount of time reflecting on this, I think you'll discover you, you're really wrong. About it being a man to use a golf analogy that is now on the back nine of his life i have to admit and acknowledge this few things have had greater implications on my life few things will have greater implications on your life and your legacy than your daily calendar that's it based on the repeated warnings of the scripture from some of the smartest people who have ever lived a renewed, thoughtful arrangement of your calendar for next year. Um, you can still do this. You could do this this afternoon, right? It, I think it's, it's up there with the holiest endeavors that you could put your hand to. Rewriting your calendar now before the year gets rolling. Making scheduling changes will have far greater implications for your life than you could possibly imagine. Now, now in that talk years ago that had stuck with me, Two things about calendars and redeeming the time stuck out to me. Uh, I can recite them from memory these years later. The first was a powerful truth. My schedule has to be far less about what needs to get done and it has to become far more about what I want to become. Let me repeat that. My schedule, my calendar, has to be far less about what needs to get done and become far more about what I want to become. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about your calendar that way. I don't think about my calendar that way. And if you look at, at, the, at my calendar over the last decades of my life, while it has certainly helped me get done what I needed to get done, that's what we use it for, right? It's also really impacted, maybe more tangibly than anything else, who, who I've become. You ever put your calendar together like that? You ever think, hmm, See, here's what, what we do. Here's what I do, and I'm guessing it's what you do, right? This is the way I was heading into 2024. I was going to do it all again. And maybe, hopefully, it'll change a little bit with, with your encouragement and uh, the accountability of standing up here, and this lives on the Internet, right? Usually, the way I would put my calendar together is to start with all the things that I've got to get done just to, to kind of get by, right? It gets filled with all the things that, I'll, you know, I get in trouble if I, I don't do them. What's your calendar look? Like? Well, you know, there's an old SpongeBob episode. What's, what's on your calendar for today? Got to work, 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 got to work. And so we have to work. And then the kids have drop-offs and pickups, And then the kids have sports and coaches and tutoring. And then we have all the obligations that we've taken on or that we can't get out of. And so the vast majority of our calendar is filled with things that the reason we even keep a calendar is if we didn't do them, we'd get, we'd get fired or we'd lose the job, or the position, or some face maybe. People might notice. That's why, for example, you never seem to have to calendar your shower or brushing your teeth, right? Of course I'm gonna brush my teeth. Why? Well, I don't wanna stink, right? This is what we do with our calendars. These are the things we write down and make time for. They're important. We believe if we don't do them, there would be a price to pay. And to a certain extent, that's true. But I am here to tell you this morning, and don't miss, don't miss this, there is a price to be paid for the things that you don't write down on your calendar. The appointments that you didn't prioritize or keep, because for most of us, calendars are all about what we have to get done, and we have given no thought to what it is that we want or God wants us to become. There's no room for it. We didn't put it on there. Years ago, when I was offered um, the position of pastor here, i made one request of the elders eric might remember it i said look i will i will do this well okay to be fair i made several but one of them was um i will do this because i was just one of the guys i said i'll do this but here's the deal i can only be out a certain number of nights per week and here's why do you know any pastor's kids they don't have the best reputation and I had four young children. I just thought, I, I, I can't do that to my kids. Like, I'm not going to do that. And I know what ministry can do. And I've seen what it is done to pastor's kids over the years. And so I said to the guys up front, look, I'm only going to be out a certain number of nights a week. Are you going to be okay with that? Because that's going to mean that, you know, I'm not going to do some things. You know, I'm not going to go to everything. And the guys were, were awesome. They're like, no, we get it. You have to do that. And so that was it. Like, I told Joan this was part of selling this. Uh, I promise I will only um, be out so many nights a week. And and I have kept true to that. Um, And I'll tell you what it did allow me to do. It did allow me to almost miss nothing of my children growing up one of the benefits of of this position is the incredible flexibility it afforded me right i was able to go to I mean, if you ask my kids what did what did your dad miss because he was a ministry i think they would look at you and go i don't think my dad missed anything unless it happened on sunday morning now i know everyone can't do that but the question is if if i were to ask your kids would they say oh he hasn't missed anything but but what would maybe they'd say he's missed just about everything now you know what would control that your calendar that's it you could write it in in pen your calendar years ago i was counseling a family that was struggling and and it was a husband and wife and their marriage was really really bumping along and and both of them um acknowledged that their calendars were a disaster they both had very high powered jobs and, uh, and things were not going right. And they both, acknowledge it, they both acknowledged it. And so uh, I was talking to one of them, and uh, they, said, uh, they said, yeah, our calendars, we just can't spend the time together. The kids are suffering for it. I said, okay, well, um, are y- why don't you pencil in? You're going to be home so many nights. You know, you're only going to take so many trips. Well, I can't do that. And I said, well, you could do it. Well, I can't do it. And I said, well, what would happen if you did it? couldn't couldn't keep my job i'd have to get a different job i said well what's the most important thing to you let's start with that what's the most important thing and uh they said well it's my family i said okay so then clearly you probably do need to take a different job i can't do that and i literally challenged the person i said so you're telling me that your family's coming apart because of your job but you and you're telling me your family's the most important thing to you but you won't you won't change your job i won't do it they're divorced if you're a mom or dad raise your hand kid's any age raise your hand your calendar is going to show you forget what it shows anybody else but take out your calendar it will show you what kind of mom and dad you are becoming you can see it for yourself you don't need the pastor to lay it out for you and here's what I would tell you. Your 2024 calendar, yet as a mother or father, is not yet written. Who you will become, the pa- what kind of parent do you want to be? You want to be an average parent? I just want to be an average parent. Hoping, you know, just hoping to keep the kids, you know, off the pipe. I don't know it's what happens when I go rogue. A lot of other things that have run through my mind, and I'm not going to say them. Your 2024 calendar isn't written yet. Who you are going to become as a parent? You wanna be an average parent? Don't put anything down, just you know, whatever. If it works out, great. But if you wanna be a great parent, the biggest thing you could do right now is say, who I wanna become is gonna have to be impacted on that calendar. You could still change it. I have, uh, many of most of you know, I have a one-year-old granddaughter, Landry. Um, I am blessed with having Friday off. Friday's my day off. So uh, every Friday since Landry was born and Courtney went back to work, uh, I watch Landry every Friday from starting from the time she was a couple of months old. We call it Friday with Pop. And every Friday, I show up at Landry's house at 7.45 in the morning, and I have her till around four o'clock in the afternoon. This is the most completely thoroughly exhausting couple of, of like 12 hours or eight hours of my life. You cannot believe how I, Somehow, when I was in my twenties, this seemed much easier than it currently seems to be. I, when that kid takes a nap, Pop, I tell her, "Pop, Pop's gonna go take a nap too," um, and I do. But I have to tell you, right? Um, I write. I I don't do anything on Friday. That's it. I watch Landry. I don't play golf. It's my day off. I don't play golf. I'm not making myself out to be a hero here. I'm, this is this was an intentional thing. When she was born i'm getting older and i said i'm gonna have one shot at being a grandfather and i'm blessed to have access to my granddaughter i know everybody isn't blessed to have that kind of access but every friday on my day off i spend the entire day with landry lee ola and here's the truth for for landry and for your kids and and for your grandkids when i put in friday that i'm going to spend time every friday with that little girl if i get it right it will change the destiny of that little girl if I get it right, it will change the destiny of that little girl in this life and for eternity to come. My calendar has the power to do that. I don't. I don't hang out with people on Friday, and it has the power to do it for you too, for your kids, for you and your spouse and your grandkids. My marriage growing growing up, my my mom and dad um, did not have the best marriage, and so I didn't really know how to be a husband I, you know the model I had was was flawed um, the relationship was flawed and so unfortunately just I just replicated what I saw and so uh, you know and Joan saw things differently and I remember I came home one morning and uh, I was at work 6 a.m. and uh, I came home it was my day off and I came home um, and Joan had one of four kids on her hip Two dogs barking and she she was just she was just at her breaking point and i remember i I remember seeing her standing there trying to cook breakfast for them and it was just a melee and it was supposed to be my day off and um so i i that was the day in my own relationship with my wife i said i gotta change this so this might come of as little surprise to those of you that know me i i'm a type a person I'm like, if you know the SDI language, I'm red. I, I don't have tremendous emotional needs. Um, my, my emotional needs are met by the New York Mets and the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> this is why I have all of these dysfunctional relationships, because they've never actually met my needs. My wife has very different needs than me. For some reason, she would like to feel connected to me. I would tell you that in counseling lots and lots of couples, the thing I hear more than any other thing, mostly from wives, but not always from wives, is I don't feel connected. I don't feel connected. And so I did a lot of things to try to fix that. But what I decided was that every single Friday, um, again, I didn't realize until now it's also a Friday, which is why recently I'm so tired on Friday nights. I would tell you at least 48 Fridays a year, and those of you that are my friends know this is true, at least for the last 10 years now, Joan and I have date night every single Friday. We almost never miss it. I don't go out with other people, right? I don't, I don't do anything else. Like people ask us to go out. Most of the time I say no because I spend Fridays with my wife. And I have to tell you, in the beginning... You know, that's, I didn't need to, that's just not my thing, right? Like, I, 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 I would have been fine spending Friday nights with another Met loss. I was used to it. I, I, some kind of masochistically, I began to enjoy it. And yet, those Fridays, over the last 10 years, after doing it for just a short amount of time and it became a habit for me, I, I love spending Friday with my wife. I don't wanna spend Friday doing anything else. In fact, sometimes I think it drives her crazy. Because she'll be like, I'm in sweats. Do we have to go out? We're going out. Let's go. We're going to go out. So we go out every Friday. Do you think 48 times a year, 10 years? Do you think going out with my wife every Friday night for, for 48 weeks a year, for 10 years, has impacted our relationship? Of course it has. How could it not? See, that's the thing about time and your calendar and what it can do for you. You ever asked where the time went? I can answer for you where the time went. You know where the time went? It went away. That's where it went. It went away. Most of it went away to to unredeemed purposes. And when year after year we ask the question again, right, we could gather again next year and go, wow, 2024, where did the time go? When you string those together, the question really becomes, where did my life go? One author put it this way, you see, what we do with our time is, m- is more important than simply knowing what time it is, how old we are, or even how much time we have left. The fact that time is life and can't be recovered is why we must place this priceless commodity under the scrutiny of a much bigger question. In light of my past experiences and current responsibilities and future hopes and dreams, what I- who do I want to become? What is the wisest way to invest my time? Andy Stanley has a book called Ask It. It has five common sense. This isn't the point of the book, but it's just in one chapter, and I I thought they were brilliant. He's got some very common sense, five common sense, but overlooked statements on time. The first is this. There is, quote, a cumulative value to investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period. The easiest illustration, many of you know this, the easiest illustration is exercise. There is a clear cumulative effect It always works, there is no exception to the rule. From exercising a few minutes every day or every other day over a long period of time, it will transform you. At the end of a year, you will see and feel a difference. But at the end of your first exercise section, the only difference is that you're sore. You will see almost no measurable benefit from one exercise session. In fact, no matter how long you've been exercising, there is no measurable benefit from one session. That's why it's so easy to talk yourself out of, of going to the gym. Trust me, I'm an expert at it. What will hurt? What's going to hurt if I miss one day? The answer is nothing. Physically speaking, the real value is not found in one deposit of time. It, the value is realized at the end of a sequence of deposits. Exercise has a compounding impact. The consistent, incremental investment of time makes a difference. And, and what's true in the realm of physical fitness is true in so many other areas. Nevertheless, it has implications for just about every facet of our lives, especially those those areas that deal with relationships. This is what Joan and I have experienced in our marriage. This is what I'm, I, I hope when people ask me, like, you know, what? How'd you, how'd, you, how'd you parent your kids? This is what I hope has impacted my children, and, and hopefully it'll impact my granddaughter. Second thought the first is, right, there's a cumulative value to investing small amounts of time over a long period. Second thought, there are rarely immediate, quite immediate consequences for neglecting single installments of time in any area. Again, right, you see it with, with your physical health you neglect your health for a day, and, and there's no big consequence. Neglect it for a week, you don't have. Any negative effects in fact after a week of fast food double desserts no exercise a few too many beers and several late nights out on the town you may wonder why you didn't adapt this lifestyle to begin with right but if you were to evaluate the effects of that over months and years right if you just evaluated it over a week you would draw a bad conclusion but if you evaluate over months and years you'll see that that your life became a mess You choose to sleep in on sunday mornings nothing changes skip work one friday you'll probably have the same job on monday pick up a newspaper instead of your bible one morning life goes on it's deceiving but true you rarely see immediate consequences for neglecting a single installment in time uh, in any arena of your life but if if neglect becomes the pattern which it so often does you will eventually bump up against the third principle the third principle is this neglect has a cumulative effect you can neglect your health for a week, maybe a month. There's no consequences. Strap that on for 10, 12 years, and the damage is irreversible. Not because of a single night out, not because you had a Big Mac. The effect is cumulative. Neglect has a cumulative effect physically, relationally, spiritually, professionally, financially, emotionally, Fourth, there is no cumulative value to the urgent things. We allow to interfere with the important things. Do you know how easy it is, especially in this job, for the tyranny of the urgent to take over, especially in my per- personal life? There's, people want to get married. People, you know, people, people die. There are weddings. There are funerals. There's always some reason I can't go to the gym. This week, it was because my son John was home, and I get to spend so little time with him, really. So why? You know, I could pick the gym up next week. But here's the thing that, that, about, about these, these urgent things we allow to inter- interfere with the important things. If you stack up all of the stuff you did instead of exercising, say, and you added up their value at the end of the year, do you know what their value at the end of the year, of all those urgent things that you allow to take over, you know what their, their value is? Nothing. Random pursuits that interrupt important routines don't add up to anything other than a lot of wasted time. They never, they never cu- accumulate value. What's the cumulative value of, of all the things a college freshman does instead of studying? Zero. What's the cumulative value of all the things a father does instead of having dinner with his family? Zero. What's the cumulative value of all the things that have interfered with your devotional time over, over your life? Zero. What random urgent activities constantly interfere with strategic bod- bod deposits of time? It's like throwing away the most precious thing you've been given. It's worse than wasting time, we waste our lives. This principle explains why we don't have more to show for our time. It gets gobbled up with random, unquantifiable activities that rob us of what's most important. When you add up all the what I did's instead of's, they equal zero. This is why your calendar is so important. And lastly, he actually dedicates a whole whole chapter to this. In the critical areas of life, you cannot make up for lost time. If you're a student, you can pull an all-nighter. If you're going on vacation your kids keep making you take potty stops right you can go a little faster but you can't cram for a better relationship with your kids you can't or your spouse speeding doesn't make up for lost time with god the important areas this is but this is why the calendar is so important the important areas of your life they require small deposits all along the way and when you miss those opportunities they are not coming back Take it from me, my children are all gone. The answer to all of these things, literally, is your calendar. Redeem the time. Ask the question in 2024, what do I want to become? What do I, as a, as a spouse, as a, as a husband, as a follower of Jesus, and use your calendar to become it. The Apostle Paul is training his prodigy, Timothy, on this very principle. Again, 2,000 years ago. Notice how nothing changes. Here's what he writes to me. He goes, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. In other words, it's kind of like what he he wrote to the Ephesians about redeeming their time, right? The world world is evil. What people are telling you and getting themselves involved. in? Here he's actually talking about legalistic religious practices that people were demanding he do, right? He's going, listen, don't, don't worry about that. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. In other words, it doesn't come naturally. If you go with the flow, if you just allow your calendar to fill up with what the world tells you you need to do or what you have to do, if you allow the tyranny of the urgent to continue to dictate your days, listen, you will not become godly. You will become busy, which is maybe more than any other thing, the enemy of godly. What would you guess his metaphor for doing this would be 2,000 years ago? What's his metaphor for, I'll show you how this works. Well, here's what he goes. For physical training is of some value. Same exact metaphor, right? Same one we'd be using for the same reasons related to time, right? You go to the gym once, you'll see no difference. Skip it once, you'll see no difference. Schedule it, do it repeatedly for long stretches. It is impossible to not see a difference. And by the way, I wanted to get into the concept this morning of habits. I don't really have the time to do it. But exercise is a keystone habit. Some of you might know what that means. But it means when you exercise, it impacts lots and lots and lots of other areas of your life. From the way you eat to how you sleep. I can attest this even down to how you feel spiritually. Paul told the Corinthians, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies how you treat your bodies is a spiritual stewardship issue it has wide-ranging implications for your life so so it is important but he uses this concept of how exercise works right and how important it is and why you should do this to get to a bigger point about training yourself to be godly but godliness godliness is different Godliness has value for all things, holding promises for both the present life and the life to become. Paul is going, look, as important as our bodies are, and they are, there is something infinitely more valuable. It impacts this life, but not only this life. It impacts your eternity and the eternity of others that you are in relationships with. It is time. It is our godliness, and just like with our bodies, more importantly, we need to train God. For godliness. And if you think that maybe that's an overstatement, here's his next sentence. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Timothy, I know this might sound grandiose, but Timothy, church, trust me, Paul's saying. He goes, You need to accept that this is true. You are not evolving into better shape, nor are you sliding into godliness. You're not. You've got to train for it. And to train for it, you must invest in it regularly with small amounts of time over long periods of time without neglect, without skipping it because, because it matters, just like the gym. So I'm going to wrap up with a final question. It, have you even considered your 2024 calendar yet? Like, is it, have you? Did, I didn't even think about it. Is it just going to be 2023 20 over again? Are we going to get together <laughs> next year and go, Chase, where did the time go? Because the answer will be the same. It went away, and it's not coming back. Have you considered your calendar for next year, maybe building, building it not from the perspective of here's all the things I need to get done. What if you put those all aside and said, who is it that this year I want to become? Do you want to be a godly father or a mother? Then you have to train for it. You will not slide into it. You will slide out of it. Set out the dates and, and the times, the non-negotiables. Put it in pen. It's, look, it's not too late. My kids are all grown. My son Caleb the other day, on his own, has his own house. He realized that time is slipping away between him and his dad. We're not watching the Mets together anymore. And so Caleb called me the other day. He goes, Dad, let's put it on our calendar. Every three weeks we have breakfast. Every three weeks. So I get a new thing in pen on my calendar. Every three weeks, Caleb and I are going to have breakfast. Do you want to be a godly spouse? You know what would have a bigger impact on your marriage than any other thing you could do? Time. For some of you, it means time with each other. For others of you, maybe it's time with a counselor. If you said, man, I don't want... I'm not going to do this. We're not going to... Let's not do this together again for another year. Let's go find a good counselor and let's, let's schedule out... How many of these sessions we're going to have? And let's make sure that we pen them in and we're going to go to them, right? Regularly, for short periods of time, over long periods of time. What do you think would happen with your marriage? you think you'd have a godly marriage? It works in every area of your life. If you change from what needs to get done to who you want to become, from exercise to parenting, from your workplace to your home. But most importantly, it works. And you know this, right? Because... Most of us know it's because our lives are not where we want them to be spiritually. It's because we don't put the time in. The principle works best and most importantly in our relationship with God. All those things about time and exercise and relationships are never more true than our relationship with God. You don't need to look any further than the schedule Jesus kept. Constantly should have been busy. Never hurried. Lots of people demanding his time. All the time going off on his own always heading off to be with his father I, lo- I love this one right is, is, is the gathering of the saints a priority do not forsake the gathering of the saints the scripture says I know the world we live in I know everything gets scheduled on Sunday morning no more nobody keeps it holy anymore and, and I know there's always the, the option for online which you know I, I know some some people say but they, they keep hopefully they do but I love this right here's here's something custom of jesus schedule he's always going off to be with his dad personally privately he's always had an offer prayer how about this he went to nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom jesus has church on his calendar it's what he did on sunday i mean have If Jesus thought it was important for his spiritual life, I would imagine that we should prioritize it too. And so I'm going to conclude with this challenge. That speaker I heard so many years ago, he challenged me to it, and I'll never forget it. He challenged me and everyone in the room that day to find a chair. It was all focused on this concept of a chair. He said, you've got to get a good, comfortable chair. Like, go pick one. Maybe if you have the resources, go buy one. Where you're going to enjoy sitting in it. And put it in a quiet place. A place place where you can get a time where there are little distractions and and commit to it, make it a habit to spend every day. But, you know, look, let's be reasonable. Maybe let's start, try five days a week, right? And spend 15 minutes in that chair with God every day. Get silent. I don't know what your spiritual discipline is that moves you towards God. Pray, listen to a worship song do some journaling, do exercises on gratitude, read a devotional, spend time in the scriptures, 15 minutes, short short amounts of time, every day over long periods of time. And the chair becomes this holy place where you go to meet with God. That's your chair, right? This is where I go. This is my thing. Where you hear from Him, where you sense Him, where you feel from Him, right? But, but you take out your calendar and you go, no, 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 chair time. This is when chair time happens, right? You set it up. Do this before you head out of town tonight. You could go to your house tonight and go, yeah, here's the chair. Let me get my chair set up. I'm going to start this year right. I'm going start to start to care about who I'm becoming. And commit to it. Have somebody hold you accountable. Here's what I promise you. If you commit to just 15 minutes a day to go and, and to set it aside for the purposes of, of hearing from the Holy Spirit through, through prayer and scripture and song and worship and reflection, here's what I promise you. When you show back up here next year, you will not be the same person. You will not. It, just like going to the gym, it would be impossible for you to show up here the same person. Can't happen. Tomorrow will your spiritual muscles be all ripped up? No. Are you going to have six-pack abs of God? Of course not. But if you do it, I mean, just, how about this? How about for the next three months? Can I challenge you? Just make it to, you know, Easter's April 1st. What if you just said, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take it one day at a time, but I'm not going to have grandiose plans, right? I'm not going to, I think the Bible in a year is great, but let's be honest, most people never make it out of access, right? What if I just said, I'm going to get my chair, and I'm going to do 15 minutes a day with God? And I'm I'm gonna hold that, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that there for, for three months. I'm gonna get to Easter with my chair. I promise you, you will show up here on Easter Sunday a different man or woman than you walked in here this morning. And so I'll leave you with this one thought. Your calendar will determine your life. It is not about what needs to get done, it needs to be looked at in terms of what you will become. And so this year, this year, start it over. Get in your chair. Begin to hope and dream again about the life that God actually has in store for you and your family. Redeem your time and let it begin with your calendar. Let's close us up.